Welcome back to a special summer edition of AFL Daily. Sarah Ollie and Nathan Schmuck with you today, counting down Schmucky's top 50 stories. We've already done 50 to 41. Today it is 40 to 31. Schmucky, hello to you. 40, the Premiership defence falls flat. Of course, this is Geelong. It's hard to go back to back, but the Cats didn't even make finals. They didn't, and it's it's always a story, isn't it? The the premiership defence and and how that goes, and for Geelong to not make finals, I thought was a big story this year. The the stat that stood out: three occasions this year they lost three games in a row. So that was a a real warning sign. They had they'd done that once, I think, in the the five previous seasons. So missing finals, we we just don't see the Cats miss finals, do we? For no, a long, long time, they've just always <laughs> been there and. I don't know what you thought about what they missed on field, but I, I thought the midfield and, and the leadership of Joel Selwood really stood out. Absolutely. It was always going to be intriguing to see what Geelong would look like without Joel Selwood. Of course, only one player, but the heart and soul of that club for so long. In at number 39, we've got King Charles claims second Coleman. Of course, we are talking about Charlie Kernow. He went back to back, unlike Geelong, 78 goals in the home and away season. What an absolute star. Kernow's coming. He's timed it. He's got it. (laughs) It was a brilliant surprise as he led the way and won the Coleman medal. Now he's gone back to back. He's a star for all to see. Stunning year, wasn't it? He was such a, an entertaining player to watch. The way that he, he can do it in the air, he can do it at ground level. He, he kicks miraculous goals. He's got a beautiful set shot. Just a, an awesome magnetic key forward. And yeah, really loved watching him. I thought he was one of the, the individuals that defined the season. And Another one, like Tex Walker, who just beat up on West Coast with 19 goals across his two games. And, you know, the challenge for him now, the finals, that's where he, he needs to deliver. He, he didn't deliver on that stage this year, and that probably you know, would have left a, a real sour taste in his mouth at the end of a, an otherwise great season. And he's got the alpha strut that all big power forwards need as well. In at number 38, we've got concussion ends careers as awareness grows. This is a really serious one, Schmucky concussion. Mm. We're learning more about it by the day. It's becoming quite litigious for the league as players are coming out with more concussion issues. We're learning about CTE, uh, after death, and it's affected players this season. It sure has, and, and it's a sad story, isn't it, when you see players retiring before they would really want to, and, and there were three there that, that stood out. Wingman Paul Seedsman at Adelaide, uh, Brisbane defender Marcus Adams and Sydney defender Paddy McCartan. It was, it was sad to see them end their careers, but I think all of them put their health first and their, their well-being with the concussion symptoms that they've been experiencing. So there's obviously awareness growing among the, the players as well that you know, this is a, a really serious issue and, and the AFL is obviously taking it really seriously as well. So I think this is going to be a big story every single year for the, the near future. In at 37, new footy boss makes her mark. Of course, we are referring to Laura Kane, appointed the Executive General Manager of Football in August. Essentially, Laura Kane is 2IC, a massive job for a very deserving woman. Absolutely. A, a landmark 
moment in the game for Laura Kane to be appointed in in that position. And I think she's made a, a really strong early impression, hasn't she? She's done a fantastic job with the the clubs and the league and and made an impact really early. So, I mean, I, I think it's been a fantastic appointment and, and a really big story for the game for her to, to come in and, and replace Brad Scott in that role. And she's only 33, which makes me feel a little bit inadequate, but this isn't about me. Let's head to number 36. It's the Demons finals flop. Of course, the 2021 premieres, but not at the MCG, over your side of the country in Perth, Schmookie. And since then, they have gone zero and four at the G in finals. It just hasn't clicked for them come September. It has not. This was a a story last year with the, the way it all played out with that infamous dinner and it was a story again this year. I think, um, yeah, no laughing matter for the the demons and and their fans. But yeah, during I had a, a seven one run leading into finals this year. I think for some people they would have been considered a, a premiership favourite at different points this year. But the way it played out in the the finals, going zero two again, leading in straight sets, a real blow for the, the demons and and a sad way for for them as a club to finish the last two years when they wanted to deliver a premiership at the MCG to their fans. In at number 35, we've got Jamara takes a proud stance. So this was 30 years after Nikki Winmar's iconic and defiant stand against racism. We had Jamara Hayden lifting up his shirt and pointing to the colour of his skin. A really powerful moment from someone who's still just in the, the starting blocks of their career. It was iconic. It was really mature from him, the way that he he handled this moment in his life. And it had been an emotional week leading up to that after he had been racially abused. And and yeah, to, to see a player take control of, of their story and, and do that was just incredible to see. And, and for it to come 30 years after Nicky Winmar did a, a similar thing at Victoria Park, just one of the, the really great stories of the year that, that came out of one of the really poor stories of the year with what had happened to him the, the week before. And I think I loved what he said after the match. I loved the way that he carried himself after the match, saying that hopefully people look back on it 30 years from now and, and don't say that nothing has, has happened since. Well, I did want to make a stance. I wanted to show my presence. But obviously, obviously what happened in the last weekend was a pretty hard time. Um, so just going out there and just proving a point that like, which I'm just a boy trying to play some football. Same as the other Indigenous boys. I think just being strong. Well said, Schmucky. In at number 34, we've got the evolution of my favourite player, Toby Green. And it's funny to say that uh, he's my not my favourite player, but it's funny that he went, Schmucky, from being almost public enemy number one to everyone's favourite player. And, of course... The crowning of him as the All-Australian captain kind of epitomises just that. Oh, boy, he was one of the other great individual stories this year. To find the season and and to be the All-Australian captain, what a wonderful achievement. It's something that I guess a lot of people probably didn't see in Toby Green's future. I remember covering the tribunal and, and doing stories about the amount of times that he had been charged. I mean, I don't think he has been charged since that you know, the famous umpire one. So, yeah, just a, a wonderful way that he's turned around his career. He was the Giants club champion this year and I think he was the the central figure in GWS having the, the season that they had. 
I'm responsible for a lot of heartbreak, Toby Green, because I can't think of a player who wins more games off his own boot. In yep. at number 33, the Lions turn choke into crucial lesson. Now, what are you referring to there, Schmucky? It was the, the loss against Melbourne in round 18. So you lose a game like that on Friday night, and it was a brutal one-point loss for them. They were 25 points up, I think it was, with 10 minutes to play. So for that to happen to them on a Friday night, it's a loss that just gets picked apart for the, the whole weekend. And everyone identified all the errors that they made, the way that they handled that final 10 minutes when they should have been trying to shut the game down. There were a lot of things that they did that, that just weren't right for a, a premiership contender. And, and it was compared to Collingwood, the way that they handled late games in, in tight matches and, and always seemed to get over the line. I think that was a, a defining game in a way for Brisbane and their season because they got to work. They did a lot of education and, and teaching about how they want to handle tight games and they turned it around. They, they won the tight games in the run home and, and made a grand final as a result. And they were sensational on grand final day when you think just four points separated yeah. Collingwood and Brisbane and had a few decisions gone the Lions way. Who knows what would have happened? But in at number 32, the power stick to August plan with Hinckley. Oh, my goodness. Was this the most talked about contract <laughs> of all time? I feel like poor Ken Hinckley every week was being asked, are you getting a new one? What is going on? But they stuck firm with that August timeline. They did, and, and it was one that we, we hadn't seen one like this before because you know, clubs don't normally sort of set that, that date and say, we're going to have a talk by this point, regardless of how we go. And then for, for Port Adelaide to, to get on a 13-game winning run, I think there was an expectation that you just have to sign him. You just have to get this done, put this coach into a secure position and, and give him a long-term future at your footy club because you're clearly a premiership contender. But they refused to. They stuck to the, the August deadline. They got it done. There were just little storylines sort of flicking off in every direction when you know, it became clear that Gold Coast were going to be looking for a new coach. Richmond as well. It was a, a tricky one for them, but I'm surprised they stuck to August. But it worked. In at number 31, we've got the Dogs launch late review after off-season change. Of course, the Western Bulldogs making that 2021 grand final against Melbourne. But since then, there hasn't been a whole lot to celebrate at Witten Oval. And that has resulted in a pretty full-scale review of the club. It has had to rework this one a couple of times because at first it was a story about a club that, that wasn't delivering with the talent that it had. I thought that was a, a story in itself, the Western Bulldogs. But then for them to, to launch that review, to have so much change in their off-season, particularly in the coaching panel, and then have a late review, uh, I thought was intriguing, the timing of it and what they're trying to find out. But there's no different, there's no better way to, to get better than look into your operations, find out what you can do better, and, and that's what they've decided they want to do. So Peter Jackson comes in, a, a really successful club CEO, and and he'll make his findings and we'll see what direction the Bulldogs go from here. But yeah, I think one of the, the big stories, the Bulldogs definitely going into to next year and, and needing to deliver more than they have. I mean, we just spoke about Ken Hinckley's contract this season. Do you think the same spotlight will be on Luke Beveridge next season? It depends how, how you view the talent on their list, doesn't it? I think the spotlight will be massive on him, but the difference being that he is a premiership coach 
at the club, he's he's delivered something that they didn't have for for such a long time beforehand. So there is a, a different element to it, but I, I think the pressure is definitely going to be on Luke Beveridge next year. We're counting down Nathan Schmuck's top 50 stories of the year. That's been 40 to 31. We'll have the next edition soon on AFL Daily.